Radical Truth is a podcast produced by TBLI Group and hosted by Robert Rubenstein. TBLI is making the financial system work for all. Our podcasts cover the wide range of ESG and impact investing topics. What it is, why is it booming, is it really helping, is impact regenerative in nature? How will climate change impact investments? There will be regular interviews with thought leaders, some known, some not known, but all brilliant, and we will have engaging conversations with all of them. Can we create an economy based upon well-being? Let's make the financial system work for all. This is Radical Truth. Driving impact with corporate venture building, how established companies can build new growth and impact. Marco Oksanen is CEO of CoVentures and experienced product leader. Marco has been involved in building digital products and ventures his whole career. As co-founder, product manager, or venture designer, he has been hands-on building 20-plus fast-growing digital ventures in Helsinki and Berlin. Now as CoVentures, CE Marco, CEO Marco has been in the, de- the deep end of corporate venture building and has seen many different approaches for building impact in cooperation with established companies and entrepreneurs. In his talk, he will share his er- learnings and how corporations can success- successfully build new ventures and which pitfalls to avoid. This is Radical Truth. Good afternoon from our studio in Amsterdam. Uh, Before I introduce our guest, uh, I just want to give you some housekeeping rules. For those of you who are not familiar with our um, system, if you want to clap, laugh, or you think something brilliant, there are three emojis at the bottom. If you want to uh, grab the mic and join the podium, there's a microphone next to your name. You click on that, and I will ask you bring you onto the virtual stage. And if you need to pose a question or a comment, just type it in the lower right-hand corner, and I will take them uh, at the appropriate time. So our guest today is Marco Oksanen, who's the CEO of CoVentures, which is a quite a fascinating model, business model for helping companies. Um, And he's going to share his journey, his background, his experience in developing uh, venture building for um, companies, startups and and companies and entrepreneurs. So Marco, if you could turn on your video and I'll go on mute and just briefly explain to people who you are, what has been your journey and what do you do? What is corporate venture building? Yes, hey, nice nice to be here. Thanks for inviting me talk about corporate venture building. Uh, Well, first, briefly about my background is that my background is in startups. And uh, I've been basically back and forth being a founder, co-founder in a startup and a product manager. So I've been like product leader, product manager by background, worked in startups in Helsinki and Berlin for, I think, seven, eight years until founded co-ventures and um, a few words about co-ventures and and what we do is that we are a platform for this senior entrepreneurial talent so basically founders and ex-founders who have like founded companies before but they are not currently working on a startup or they are working in on a startup but they are not really like um operative anymore so they usually have like three or four or five days uh spare time that they 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 share with or they would like to still contribute and build impact with the with their time so for these these entrepreneurs we are a platform that allows them to collaborate with other similar type of profiles other entrepreneurs in building impact, working with corporations, building new business, new ventures, new uh, new kind of uh, business units, doing that, that type of consulting work and also investing together in promising startups or promising uh, corporate ventures. And what corporate venture building is in 
it might, in my definition, is that it's basically just building new revenue. So, so whatever you have where you kind of like build some kind of a new business model or maybe it's like a digital product or a digital kind of um, any type of, in, in these times, many times it's digital new revenue, but any type of new revenue which comes with something that is not your current business model, so it's not only sales and delivering what you normally do, that is basically corporate venture building. And now why it's called venture building and not just like building new revenue is often that when you build something new, you need to have like the right type of structure to maintain the new business. And But I believe that you can do corporate venture building and still end up that it becomes an internal venture or an internal business unit or an internal product. In some cases, that is the best case. And in some other cases, it, it can the same activities can lead to an external venture. But that's basically what, um, wh- how I define corporate venture building. And um, Robert, I, am I going to go go ahead and, and, and talk about no, the kind I, of I, like... I want to hear the, the whole story of how you started this. And, and basically, who hires you? I mean, you know, who, do you do these large corporates who find it difficult to create entrepreneurial uh, initiatives? Do they hire you, or they say, "Hey, you know, what is the future of uh, Alzheimer disease <laughs> pharmaceutical?" And they ask you, "Go, go out and fix this." You know, how does it work? Yeah, yeah. So two questions there: how we really got started, and 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 then. The other one, like who actually hires us or, or our entrepreneurs. To answer the, the first one there, I think like, um, well, this originally got started from my kind of like thesis already more than 10 years ago, where I studied entrepreneurial education. Like how can you in, univers- in universities, the best universities in the world, like how can you teach entrepreneurship? And basically what I realized is that the only way you can teach entrepreneurship is that you have to define it to be a skill set. Otherwise, you cannot learn something that is not a skill that is learnable. And and this kind of like was like a really big, big shift because usually when we talk about entrepreneurs, we talk think of startups, we think a profession and we think like a lot of like different types of definitions. But fairly seldom I, I, I find that people think of it as a skill set. And this was something that I was then interest, interested to learn the skill set and that put me into my current career path, which I did before founded co-ventures, but also brought a few kind of like big problems in the world I want to be part of fixing. And one is that entrepreneurs don't have a career path. Another one is that... Um, Startups are limited vehicles in creating impact where they don't utilize a lot of the assets that corporations have, which could be utilized, and especially in complex problems like, for example, climate change or impact problems. These problems uh, need a more systematic way to do entrepreneurship where we don't have a current model, which we are now building. And that basically like led us to define the model and build co-ventures as is. And, um, but yeah, then to the second question about like who hires us, I think like in many, we, we do, we work on the supply side. So our business model is fairly simple that supply being the entrepreneurs, we want to be the best place for entrepreneurs. Our business model is about attracting the best entrepreneurs to work with us and uh, keeping them happy by offering them interesting projects, allowing them meaningful ways they can turn their time into income and into working with impact projects. So that's our business model, but still obviously there, there is the customer, there is the demand side. And on the demand side, we do many different things, but especially on the corporate venture building side, uh, we usually clients hire us when they are in a situation that they have an idea 
about creating something new, which can be a new product or a new business, usually the latter, like some type of new business. And they have internal resources, like internal industry know-how, internal technology, and lots of things they can uh, leverage to build a new business. But they're basically a little bit clueless about the plan on how to go ahead. And here, here, like, they might talk to some consultancies who can offer them like better planning or they can offer them like a consulting project. But where we kind of stand out and what we offer is that, that we can offer them the talent they actually need, which is the entrepreneurs who have done it and the entrepreneurs who, who have the networks and have the actual, actual entrepreneurial ability to, to build a new venture. And then we usually, you know, we, we, we talk, we think one step ahead. So we think about like what type of company will, would it become, how it's financed, how it's kind of structured, led. And, and we try to come up with the kind of like permanent structure for it to be a standalone market-driven corporation if we talk about the external venture. And then what we can do is that we can bridge the gap between the current situation and the end goal we all believe in. And that we can do by providing interim entrepreneurs to kind of like build a business to that point. So you're kind of like an Airbnb for entrepreneurs. Yes. Yes, that's one way to put it. Like we, we are a platform business in both our incentive models and, and everything we do is built as a platform business. And we actually like really think that that's one big thing that makes us different in a way, because like, even though you're called venture building or innovation services, whatever you kind of like put on your front page, you're still true to your actual business model. And if your business model is about selling employees and taking a cut, then if you have employees who don't have enough work, you're really compelled of, on selling those. But with a platform model, we can, uh, we're not incentivized to do that. And, uh, and we are, yeah, we are incentivized in, in, in really creating the best experience for the entrepreneurs, which then again, like really compels us to do meaningful things and compels us to do projects where we actually believe in. Give me a, one example of an, a project that you worked on from a large corporate uh, around venture building where you in, brought in one or more entrepreneurs to execute. Well, you don't have to mention the name if it's still in progress, but an example of, an, of, of you know, how, what type of uh, projects you're doing. Yeah, well, the first one, top of mind project that comes to mind is that it's a construction, um, a company working in the construction industry and focusing on, on adhesives and different type of like materials used in construction. And they are a family run company with like, um, I think like roughly like hundred millions in revenue, which in a small market like Finland is, is maybe a little bit bigger than you would consider in Europe in, at large. But anyways, uh, they had, they had, they have their own corporate venture capital fund uh, where they invest, and they had been doing a little bit of investment into startups. But now they were like, really, they wanted to go deeper, and they went to actually like uh, build new business. And here we, here we help them first to figure out that that actually what they should be building instead of building a product company a much more meaningful and easier way would be to build a service company first. And then we started building the service company. So in three months, we basically uh, came up with, I think, three or four different types of business models for a service company. And then chose the more prominent one as the go-to-market business model. Mm -hmm. Then we validated uh, their ability to deliver the service and then we kind of uh, sold the first project. So, so we got to a point where we now actually like are having a meeting on, on what are the next steps. But I'm quite confident that we'll actually found a new company within like nine months and, 
and and now now we are like continuing on the path on building it. And you're compensated from the income generated for the entrepreneur to execute on the project, or you're compensated by the the client, the corporate that wants to create this new enterprise. Yes. So our entrepreneurs are are compensated um, based on usually a fairly traditional consulting agreement where they are paid by day. So this project, for example, was 50K for three months was the kind of budget. And, um, and, and then co-ventures as a platform basically get 10, gets 10% of the, of the kind of consulting revenue generated. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is like obviously a fairly small amount, but the idea is that that we want to kind of like uh, be the best place for entrepreneurs and 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 get the our kind of like revenue then from building these scalable, meaningful things and being an investor in them. So so then yeah, and then based on who who brought in the lead, uh, that one might be compensated as well. Okay, and what was the biggest failure that you ever did that you can talk about? Um, I think we actually have only one failed project, and I think that's that's um, even that was kind of like turned into a success when we kind of like negotiated the price and so on. They actually turned out to be really really happy with the result, but that kind of. <laughs> It's, it was actually a startup we worked with, and I think there was a little bit of confusion about um, they thought they were going to get some public funding to cover costs, and then it turned out that because of reasons that we had nothing to do with, they weren't eligible for that funding. And then we did this project, where, which is often a project where we try to make sense of a situation, is that we collect input, we analyze, and we provide output. And then at the point where we were analyzing and we hadn't really provided a lot of output, then they wanted to pull the plug of the project. So that was a nasty thing because like we had lots to deliver on the output, and, and, but they wanted to kill it, even though we hadn't even like gotten started of delivering it. And um, well, obviously, initially, but it was agreed as a fixed price. So, so legally, we, they would have been kind of like committed to paying everything, but that was still a Part of like a failure, failure in a way from my perspective in controlling the customer expectations uh, early on. And the uh, so if I just to put it in simple terms, uh, the buy side person is is the corporate, and the sell side person is the entrepreneur selling their services. But entrepreneurs like to build companies. Why would they want to work as a consultant for? A company that they're not going to run or own. Yeah, I'm glad you asked because that's a really typical question I get asked a lot, and I think there is a fairly big mis- misconception there because, well, lately the past four years I've been everything I've been doing is talking to entrepreneurs as humans, as persons, and trying to understand their motivations and everything. And and sure, like there are are entrepreneurs who want to build their own company. And I, I, I've done it I, twice and I've been there. And, and, but then like, I mean, building a product-led company, for example, it's a, it's a journey where you have to have a 10-year mindset and you have to be like completely all in. And let's say the company, no matter if it fails or succeeds, but after five years, you make like some kind of an exit you either fail or or you win, but anyway, nine out of ten fail, and even the success cases are seldom uh, such that you have like money to carry on just and and you wouldn't want to work operatively anymore. When this happens, there's really few people who are like immediately that hey, now I want to create my next company, and so so there's quite many who want to take it like do something else for a while and, and really look for an opportunity. They get excited enough to kind of build the next venture on. And this time might be like, like two years, it might be five years, it might be 10 years. And, and here, this is a perfect uh, point where they join our platform. We allow them 
to put like interesting things on front of on on front of them and and interesting people next to them and we inspire them and then when they come up with their next idea which has happened already on our platform we are basically a very good place to find the angel investment because we can invest in this company super early you know we know each other so they know the investors they know us and and we want to obviously make it win win so then we kind of like continue our journey as an investor in their next project or that's that's how it so far has played out oh, okay and the um the uh, did you ever have a situation where the entrepreneur says oh i really like this project i think i want to do it take it over and buy it out or whatever some financial arrangement and i want to execute on this myself we we have had cases where where like we had entrepreneurs building client project and they kind of like jump to that client project um we we believe in a market driven approach where kind of like when this happens we we just like kind of like then a new company is created and and hopefully they would kind of like want us to be included in the cap table as an investor and that's how we kind of like you know profit from these situations uh we do have obviously uh, contracts with clients that basically prevent that if we work on a on a on a project with a client that our entrepreneur could just somehow hijack it and start building it himself but even if we wouldn't have this contractually or obviously taken care of uh i think it's really hard to build something from scratch and usually like if you build something from scratch then it's not a good seed to build it in a corporate environment because usually you want to build something where you have an unfair advantage with the corporate bring something to the table and if you don't have it then it's usually a bad idea and then even though it wouldn't be any of our entrepreneurs somebody is probably build it from scratch because those those companies will always win the game if there is no unfair advantage what are the industries what are the five largest industries where you have to develop corporate venturing partnerships or three well we have been working quite a lot on the energy sector um like most of our clients are or i think all of them are public references so i can talk about them but for example fortum is a big finnish yeah. player who's yeah. biggest corporate venture plug surfing we have uh, helped helped to build and help in their strategy process and um we also have other references from energy side and then we have been working on uh, on um on kind of um um circular economy so a finnish company called lastella antikanoja et is one of our biggest customers and they have been using kind of like our interim entrepreneurs to really uh grow the seeds they have their businesses from from 1 million to 3 million and and similar cases and we're still working a lot with them uh so circular economy waste management we also have other references from that side and the third would probably be this mid-sized uh, companies we have a couple of like companies who are fairly heavy in r&d and they have like this they have lots of like this engineering expertise in a fairly traditional kind of a uh, industry so so this i mentioned was from construction but another one would be for example premix that does like plastics um, highly highly specialized plastic materials and the um what uh we're going to cover one of the questions of why corporate venture building initiatives don't succeed what is the main cause of them not working i'm glad you asked I, I, this is something i prepared to say in the beginning but i actually like it to be more more of a discussion than my monologue but <laughs> I, i i i think there's i'm going to open up to questions shortly yeah it's it's like i think there's two two really big problems that i think like are the biggest biggest culprits why a lot of venture building doesn't succeed and and one is the skill set like 
you even though whatever you do, you don't get the required skill set into the team that is actually tasked in the venture building. And the skill set I'm talking about is the entrepreneurial skill set. And, and this is something that was the foundation of co-ventures, like the thesis I did more than 10 years ago was about this. And, and I believe like, like if you consider a startup entrepreneur who, let's say, has built five companies before and has failed, many of them maybe succeeded, maybe not, they are very skilled in the art of the start. And, and these people, I mean, you just don't find them in, in, in all places. And big corporations will have a really hard time attracting that type of talent. And, and this is where I see they often make compromises. So, so they put the hat of you be the entrepreneur or the internal entrepreneur to a person who actually doesn't have the skill set. So, so they, they choose someone who maybe has like had one startup before or someone who has done something a little bit to that way, but who really is really far from the expert. And another mistake how this kind of like happens why the skill set is a problem is that you hire consultants and and then when you hire consultants so any company that sells employees then the question is that will any of these like really senior entrepreneurs um, do they want to be employees in a consulting company and and i've tried to recruit them when building co-ventures i've really tried and and I know that the answer is no, you don't find these people in consulting companies. And it's basically just a fact. Even if you go to the biggest name, like like big four management consulting companies, it's really hard to, to get the talent you need from a consulting company employees. And this is where we have like partnership uh, discussions with these big consulting companies where we where I think that we... Uh, who are specialized in the entrepreneurial skill set and, and they who are specialized in the consulting skill set could co- collaborate a lot to solving this problem of skill set. But, but yeah, it's like it's a really different skill set when you n- need the entrepreneurial skill set. And, uh, and this is something that is neglected when building corporate ventures. And that's one of the reasons why they failed. And uh, well, I mean, to continue that train of thought about the consultants, I've I've had loads and loads of consultants knocking on our door over the 25 years we've been doing business. And I, and I started about a year ago removing every single strategy consultant that I was connected to on LinkedIn, every single one, every management consultant, strategy consultant that I could find because I had to take them off one at a time because I they always would knock on our door to kind of suck out PowerPoint slides out of my brain to repackage and sell, but they never had an original thought. They're not entrepreneurs. They know, know, know what it is to make a payroll. So uh, I can clearly see that. I want to take some of the questions, um, starting with Aaron. Aaron wanted to know, does your group also lead to the facilitation of large-scale systems building? with a top-down approach like the creation of a carbon trading markets or a new type of security products that are more conducive to the new sustainable landscape. Creation of a new market seems to be a hot topic right now in sustainable finance. Is that an area that you're operating in? Let me get my head around the question. So, <laughs> so Aaron uh, is kind of nerdy, so he's, yeah, his question is always it's, kind of challenging. It's, it's like, I mean, as, as, as with the example of Fortum, they are really, really, you know, they have startups in carbon trading markets and, and some of our partners have been, have been uh, co- co-working with them on those. And we are definitely having discussions about in this field. And we have several entrepreneurs who have the experience in that type of uh, business. And, but I think like if the question is that, that do we do kind of, uh, do we do businesses that create new markets? Uh, definitely. I mean, I think often when you build something, when you build like a corporate venture, it's, it's, it's in some way a new market. It's either a disruption in existing or, or a completely new one. But I mean, in the end, like when you kind of like get to the first, 
first uh, one million, you you better always think about like the definition of a market that is still like a set of customers who want to buy. So so often, like really in the beginning, we 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 can be fairly flexible in the market definitions. So it's really kind of like often semantics if it's a new one or an old one. We use whatever narrative works in getting the go-to-market right. Um, Jack wanted to know, would you call yourself an incubator? And if so, how are you different from the many others in the marketplace? If not, how would you describe yourself? Yeah, so I, I wouldn't call us an incubator. Like if my my perception of an incubator is that it's it's a company that basically attracts early stage startups and and then they kind of coach them and they provide like coaching and um, assistance in getting further and then at the end of the incubation program they invest in that those companies and I'm I'm a coach and mentor in, myself in many incubation programs and a lot of our entrepreneurs do the same like pro bono mentoring and, and, and participating in these incubation programs but basically what we do is is fairly different and well how do we describe ourselves I think like we are something fairly new because uh, there's not necessarily a category for what we do but what we do is that we are a platform for senior entrepreneurs to collaborate in building impact ventures together. So we are really about like trying to attract the best entrepreneurs, keep them happy, provide tools for them to cooperate, develop their talents, know, know each other's talents better. And we believe that this way we can create the machine needed to build impact. And that's kind of like the missing piece in the impact puzzle, which was the first question I, I promised to to answer that, like, what role does corporate venture building be, play in the impact system? Hmm. And I, I believe that, you know, in the impact ecosystem, there's many players. There's players who work on defining and make, like, how do you measure impact and so on, like, like, like you do, uh, Robert. And, and, and then there's players who kind of like um, bring forth knowledge and aggregate knowledge and there's green financing and funding and, there's many different types of players, but for what we are focusing on on is bringing in the doing. So, so really focusing on getting the doers who are required. Like even if you have financing and the best ideas and you know how to measure impact and so on, you still need someone to do it. And here, that's kind of like where we really focus on creating a systematic way of finding the doers and creating a new model for incentivizing them and so on, building the model for um, finding those. Beata wanted to know, do you think that because you're in the business of doing well, uh, oops, uh, sustainability people are less willing to pay for the work? Um, well, it kind of depends. I think like, I, I, I think like, it's um, in some ways, I believe, like, even though we, we want to create impact, I, I still also be, believe that that for, for us to building new business, there also needs to be economic incentives and economic value created. So in some ways, uh, I feel like these are connected. So so because like it's I, I feel in my my perception the impact is basically like how you aim and, 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 and then you still need the economic incentives for, for that to be meaningful and sustainable. So if you really waste a lot of resources creating something that is a new type of impact startup, be it some kind of a marketplace for carbon emissions or something, but you fail to make it economically sustainable, then at some point you fail resources. And um, so, so we, we, we look at both, both sides and obviously when you have the economic equation in order, it's easier to also pay for services. But that said, we, we, we let our entrepreneurs price themselves and a lot of entrepreneurs are willing to take a discount or work for, for cheaper if there is like kind of a 
big mission and purpose behind what they do. Um, so, so, I mean, hard to answer it, uh, I feel, but a direct answer is that I actually haven't seen that impact people or like because we, we create impact that they would want to negotiate our prices. Uh, I feel like, like they are not necessarily related. The Aaron wanted to ask, do, you, do things like fractional CFOs and promotion of CFOs that are in charge of both fundraising for the companies and day-to-day -day management create agency problems in the marketplace? I'm not quite sure if I understand this, but you're more nerdy than me, so maybe you understand it. Um. Yeah, I, I think I get the hang of it, but I don't think I, I understand it completely. But um, but I think like if I understood the question correctly, when you have like fractional CFO, you're talking about uh, you can have a similar network as we are, but just focusing on the financial officer kind of skill set. And then you could, in theory, hire someone kind of like a hired gun CFO to make decisions related to fundraising and some kind of like, uh, which when when a startup hires a CFO to do fundraising, then uh, then the question is that are they actually kind of like really representing the startup or do they have some kind of like other hidden agenda, which the which is a problem with the business model of fractional CFOs. If I understood it correctly, the question is that. And here... I mean, I don't know exactly. I think it depends a lot on how the fractional CFO business model is built. If they if they have aligned incentives, then I think everything is fine. If they don't have aligned incentives, then probably you will have some type of problems. But hard to say without knowing more in depth the situation. Beata wanted to know, do you have lawyers, entrepreneurs on your platform? I think she's kind of fishing for a gig. Happy to help. Yeah, we, um, I mean, definitely we would need, we have had a few discussions with, with kind of entrepreneurs with the kind of like lawyer background, but we don't currently have anyone who is like really, really focused on that. So there you go, Beata, you can call them. <laughs> uh, she wanted to know also, what's your biggest regret? Um, I wonder if it's like kind of like a personal or, or a co-ventures, but <laughs> I, I, really hard to say. I, I, I'll, 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 I'll shoot something later if I, if I come, come up with something. Okay. Um, the, uh, different types of partnering, corporate venture, Bill and Wine partner. Um, how does someone get on to your platform as the entrepreneur? Is it only referrals from people you know, like, you know, in this group and those who watch the replay, it's probably entrepreneurs. Oh, that's fun. I get to see interesting projects and um, co-ventures is going to go out and beat the bushes and find me jobs. <laughs> yeah, it's a good, good question. Like, like in the beginning, we used to scale in a way that it was exactly like that, that we kind of onboarded entrepreneurs and the value prop was that, We'll, we'll get you gigs and, and then we'll take a cut. And now actually like we've done like fairly lately, a lot of work with our kind of like incentive model where entrepreneurs joining the platform provided that they are capable of doing sales and bringing in leads, they can actually earn much more uh, than 100% of their earnings by because they get part of the customer acquisition cost which can be like 15, 20% of the project size. And that, and, and then still co-ventures takes only a 10% cut. So they can, depending on how big project, how much uh, help from other entrepreneurs they need, they can easily get like 110 or even 150% of their earnings. So, so right now we are kind of like, and, and that's like a much more scalable sales model for finding those gigs. Than, than us or me or, or, and my co-founders just like bringing in everything. So that's what we're rolling out now. And in accordance with the new model right now, we are basically fo focusing on getting entrepreneurs 
who are capable of bringing in leads. And, um, and, and then, you know, that's our current status. And, and hopefully in six months or eight months, then we have the bottleneck more on the delivery side. So we have like specific type of talents we need. And then we start headhunting and finding those types, types of entrepreneurs. How do you deal with, I mean, there's probably sensitive issues that are being discussed, you know, lots of uh, high-tech innovation or, or secret development that, you, you know, you've got all these people. on. How do you keep those things ring-fenced that it doesn't leak out? Yeah, it's, it's a good question. So, like, obviously, we as a platform, uh, entrepreneur platform, I mean, we have roughly 20 people now, 20 entrepreneurs. Um, so it's not like a huge group and we are a very tight group. And the idea is that we are kind of like as tight as, you know, everyone would be employees. Everyone obviously has like NDAs and all kinds of agreements that kind of like puts confidentiality in order. And then also when we do projects, we have like, as any consulting service, we often have these um, like Chinese walls where like it's not necessarily the confidential information is not openly shared for everyone, but only for the people doing the project. But um, I mean, it's as we get bigger, we probably need more robust systems at some point. But but the main idea is that we don't have any random entrepreneurs. We are a very tight group and we have contracts and we want to really work together. We know each other and so on. So I don't want people to think that we just have like 200 CVs there and, and, and share all the information freely with, with people we don't really know. Okay. Jacques wanted to know, is your team purely Helsinki-based or do you also work with partners in other locations in Europe? Well, I used to live in Berlin for three and a half years and I have a big network there. And uh, we have some people working in Berlin who kind of... Uh, they haven't been really. Uh, they they we work together with some people in Berlin, and we're thinking about maybe expanding there. And um, then we also have one person who is Danish, and and he has like a network in Copenhagen. So so we are gradually taking steps outside Helsinki, and obviously we also have European clients and not only Finland-based clients, but um, but we are we we are now like kind of taking the first steps out. So we have been fairly fairly based in Helsinki until this point, but really looking to branch out. Not not everyone has uh, appropriate social skills, whether they're an entrepreneur or whether they're a corporate or whether they're just a consultant or a lawyer or whatever. So how do you deal with that element? Because someone can be a brilliant entrepreneur, but you can't work with them because they're very good at working by themselves, but now they have to work with someone else. How do you manage that? Yeah, it's a tricky, tricky question. I think like... No, it's so, a simple question. It's a complicated answer. Yeah, I, I think that there's there's two, two things. Uh, one is that... Um, how do you make sure that you the right people get into the platform? Yeah. So there, obviously, we have a lot of talks and interviews. We take culture fit seriously. We um, you, usually people go have like meet three or four people before we kind of like decide that are they are they the right type of person to join, and um, and that kind of controls it a little bit. And then another component is that, like, because there's one thing if to root out people who are just not, like, values don't match or they somehow kind of, like, don't just have the necessary skills. But then there's also kind of, like, that who works well with who type of questions. And there we have, like, we have used some frameworks to do some, like, psychological assessment or actually not psychological, but um, more like communication type, communication preference um, types where like we try to analyze and systematize 
how people communicate, how they behave. And uh, at some point, we will probably make a much more systematic model on how we can take this into account when, when uh, deciding who works together and, and deciding the right entrepreneur for the right client. Did, did you ever, I don't know if you saw, we did a, a, a masterclass with Richard Barrett about values. And they, what he does is he does a kind of uh, social cultural audit of a company, but he does it with all of the employees, you know, whether there's 10 or a hundred thousand. And he asks, you know, only one, only three questions to see if they're aligned with the values of of the company. You might want to take a look at that as a possible um, solution for you, because they're only asking three questions, but then he creates a Maslow pyramid for each department. So if it's in if it's finance or the bookkeeping, you don't want them in two self-actualization. You want them a bit lower in that in that pyramid. That might be uh, helpful. How can um, the audience that is listening here live and those that will f- watch the replay um, help you? I mean, what do you what do you need? You need you know all the entrepreneurs that are on this listening to join you and and hang out with you. Or do you, are you, it's more about you need more buy side people rather than sell side? Yeah, good, good question. I think like. I have lots of good questions. That's all I do is I just pump out good questions. Yeah, I, I think like to be perfectly, like a perfectly honest answer and, and kind of uh, what is really the bottleneck for growth and the main priority is basically leads. So we have been leads kind of for buy side. Yeah, lead, leads for for companies who would basically want to at least um, at least have a discussion around that could our model be something they are interested in. And and I think right now we, when we have these discussions, we have like kind of a, a, a pretty crazy kind of like closing rate, like I think more than sixty percent leads wow. to to a sale and so we are fairly good in explaining what we do explaining the value and we have like good people and i think we have like a net promoter score of more than 90 so and all our all our clients are still buying from us they are public references gives us reference rights and and they are like really happy so so in that sense like kind of like we're doing really well in the kind of like end of funnel, but what we have been doing partly intentionally bad is that getting those leads. And there we have like, we, we know the problems. Part of the problem was that we didn't have a incentive model for, for scaling kind of the, the sales work that personally I've been doing. And now we have it. And also we have been kind of like, we haven't really sh- shouted out enough what we do and our message hasn't been fully clear and so on. So these are kind of like all actions we're taking and things that we're like working on. But until we get them like uh, fixed, it's a clear bottleneck is that bringing in leads. And I mean, anyone wanting to work with us in any capacity or any role, uh, as long as like, like, like if we have some concrete case on the table to discuss on, it's, it's like we're more than happy to kind of like engage in discussions and trying to find a win-win-win situation uh, in, in kind of like uh, collaborating. And, and I think we have like a lot of learnings on what works and what don't in, in these collaborations and, and models. Teresa brought up a a point. She's saying, it sounds like the focus is on Europe now. So I'm not sure there is a role for listeners based in the US or other places outside of Europe. Is that true? Or is it just because you haven't done the network there? Yeah, like, obviously, we have, we have biggest network here in Helsinki, Finland. So, so that's why most of our clients are from here. But I mean, with the kind of Especially after COVID, I think people are fairly used to working remotely. And um, I mean, we have some, we are, for example, uh, Amplitude partner and we collaborate with Amplitude a lot on some projects. And, 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 and so we have some kind of like uh, US 
um, connections. But yeah, it's true. We don't have like, we don't have the networks there. But I mean, if if they need entrepreneurs or like if we can still do delivery easily anywhere in the world. But um, but it's true that we're more focused on Europe now. Is it? A, and I was curious for some of the corporates who are not very good at being entrepreneurial. Is it a, a kind of sign of failure on their part if they come to you that you know they don't want people to know that they can't develop their own uh, entrepreneurial activities, or it doesn't matter to them? So, what, what do you mean by? entrepreneurial activity well you know like corporate venture they come to you hey you know we want to do this and instead of trying to develop that themselves yeah well i i think that there's like really there's not just one or two types of entrepreneurs there's really different profiles i found and i think that is a lot of the value we provide in understanding the different types of entrepreneurial profiles that there are but just a few examples is that there might be someone who is really good in building a venture, but hasn't like done like really this uh, service sales at all. So they don't have necessarily the networks for corporations or for clients. So even though they would be the perfect venture builder, they are not really kind of like capable of building uh, of like selling themselves. And even if they would be, um, usually corporations don't buy from a one-man show. You need like a little bit more credibility and a brand and, and, and that's what we can obviously provide together. Um, but then you have other types of entrepreneurs who are really, they would, much, they would like to be in, in the beginning of, of like scoping the problem, understanding the problem and solution and what kind of model would work. That is a big part of it is sales work and really the early early parts of getting started with, with venture building. Then we have people who are like really good in that. And then we have people who are really good in in kind of like making really cold calls and 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 doing customer discovery, picking up the phone and figuring out what the customer really believes in and doing this like really bottom up uh, market first validation. And it's really good in that, but they are not necessarily the best person to come up with the big vision for creating or, or the business model and so on. And there's like everyone has strengths and weaknesses, and it's really hard to find an entrepreneur who is like really, really full stack. So that's why we believe that as collaborating with each other and combining the right types of skill sets to the right projects, you can create like lots of value and efficiency. Thank you to our guests and audience for joining us today. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to hear more, please subscribe where you listen to your podcast. This was Radical Truth. Stay safe. Stay safe.